This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Well, for our teaching time today, we are going to go over that Isaiah passage. And as a first note, what's happening here in this passage was taking place in about the year 733 B.C. And God told Ahaz to ask for a sign. Now, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, just a few days away from Christmas, it's Christmas Day, our reading from Isaiah 7 doesn't seem very Christmassy, does it? Oh, it does, though, if we focus on verse 14 and the way our gospel reading today interprets it, which is Matthew 1, 18 to 25, because Matthew took only those two lines and used those as the prophetic word. If we read our text in its context, according to Stan Mast, there's no hint of shepherds keeping watch out in the fields by night. There's only the enemy camped out at the very gates of Jerusalem because this was taking place while one of the many armies attacked and surrounded Jerusalem, which kind of reminds me of that time when Jesus was talking in John chapter 8, and the Pharisees said, we've never been captives of anyone. Well, think about it. They had been captives of almost everyone. The Assyrians, the Philistines, the Babylonians, the Assyrians themselves, and who else? You know, name any other Aryan nation and you got it because the, Israel had been surrounded by armies and was taken captive many times, or at least held captive. The earlier verses of Isaiah 7, though, set the scene for us. Those days, in about 735 to 734, were a time of war and fear. The southern kingdom of Judah was under attack by a coalition of the northern kingdom of Israel and the Syrians. Those two unlikely allies had come together to fend off an attack by the rising power of the Assyrians. And that nation, Assyria, was gobbling up countries to its west and south on the way to the seaports of the Mediterranean and the riches of Egypt. Judah had refused to join their alliance, preferring instead to attempt a treaty with Assyria. But now the combined armies of Israel and Syria have besieged Jerusalem during the reign of Ahaz, a part of the Davidic dynasty. Now, everybody in Jerusalem at that point was shaking with fear. And now God goes to Ahaz and says, ask me for a sign. God is challenging Ahaz to believe in Yahweh and be blessed. And so he's saying, oh, ask for a sign, ask for anything. It's almost like the genie who comes out of the bottle and when you rub it, and he says, ask me for anything, I'll grant you that wish. It's not quite like that because we're talking about God and not a genie in a bottle. However, he said, ask me. Now, Ahaz says, no, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And, you know, that sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? 
I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. I shouldn't do such a thing like that. That would have been really accurate if Ahaz had not been a scoundrel because he was one of the disobedient kings. You read when he takes power in 2 Kings chapter 16, it says Ahaz did not do the will of the Lord, which means he was like a lot of the predecessors who had been scoundrels, basically weasels, if you will. And he says, no, I'm not going to ask to test God. But remember, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, God says, test me in this. He's talking about tithing here. Just see if I won't bless you abundantly and pour out the stuff into your storehouses. Just test me in that. And believe me, that's really the only time that God ever asks or permits his people to test him. Because, you know, when you're God, you don't need people to test you. You prove yourself again and again and again. And he was doing that regularly here. Now, he says again to Ahaz, ask for that sign. But he didn't do it. Now, truthfully, it wasn't really a test. Because God was promising Ahaz that whatever he asked for, he would get as a sign that God is powerful enough to give you all of those things that you need. Amen? Now, so there was no real test there, but Ahaz attempted it as that. And guess why he did that? Because he didn't want the Lord to grant a sign and give him whatever he wanted, because Ahaz didn't want to believe in Yahweh and follow his ways. So he said, now, if I tell him what I want and he gives it to me, I'm going to be obligated to follow him. Hmm. I don't want to do that. So, no, I don't want to test the Lord. So he was a scoundrel from top to bottom all the way. Now, he says, the Lord then says, I will give you a sign anyway. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now the passage continues. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. So he's prophesying there that the Assyrians and the northern kingdom were going to be gone because in 722, the Assyrians capture the northern kingdom and take them away. So now, one of the things we have to keep in mind about this passage is simply this. Scripture can be interpreted in several different ways, and there is usually an immediate context meaning, which is what he's doing here, because after he gets to the word Emmanuel, he talks about something else. And so there was the immediate interpretation because there was someone in Ahaz's family who was going to give birth to a child and he was going to grow up and be righteous. And it was later one of the righteous kings. However, here we can interpret this also prophetically 
because there is this thing about the Lord will give himself, a, give a sign and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That was the prophecy of Jesus' coming. And there is some dispute. Of course, theologians can find a way to dispute about just about anything. And they found a way here because the text in one of the versions says a young woman will give birth to a child. However, we're safe in saying that it meant virgin because of the law of Israel. You know, the law that was given in Exodus and in Leviticus and on and on and on. If you were a young woman and you were not a virgin, guess what would happen to you? Anyone of you want to take a stab at this? They would take the woman out of the gate of the city and stone her to death. So, virgin is a safe interpretation here. And that is perfect because that's what God meant, was a virgin will bear a child and will call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Now, that, that's awesome. Thinking about that. God is going to be with us. Is he with us now? Yes. Okay. Now, how many of us actually genuinely take time to really contemplate what this means for us? That God is with us all the time. He is not going to let go. And I mean, there are several places all through the scriptures that promise that I will never leave you or forsake you. God says, I'm going to be with you. Now here in this prophecy, he meant that he was coming as a child, would be born into the world and live among us for a while, for about 33 years or thereabouts. And he was going to live with us. He was going to live the law perfectly and he was going to do that on our behalf so he could be the perfect sacrifice. But that means there's more to this. It means that after he ascended and sent the Holy Spirit, he's with us 24-7, 365, or every fourth year, 366. He's with us all the time if we have the desire and the hunger in ourselves to seek out the Lord and to have him walk with us and to, uh, for us to walk with him. Now, David Guzik writes about this passage. This is one of the most famous prophecies regarding the birth of Jesus, the Messiah in the Bible. It also illustrates a principle of prophecy. And he's telling us here that prophecy may have both a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment. The near fulfillment, as we were just saying, is centered around Ahaz, Jerusalem, and the attack from Israel and Syria. For Ahaz, the sign centered on this time span. Simply put, God would give Ahaz a sign that within a few years, both Israel and Syria would be crushed. And this was a sign of deliverance to Ahaz. Then there's the far fulfillment. And we just talked about that too. This prophecy goes way beyond Ahaz to announce the miraculous virgin birth of Jesus. We know this passage speaks of Jesus because the Holy Spirit says through Matthew, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name 
Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. This is an awesome promise to us. And every one of us can apprehend that and hold on to it and have this sense of knowledge that God is with me. How comforting should that be to us if we really contemplate it and spend time thinking about that? God, I know you're with me. God, I know you're with me. God, thank you for being with me and not abandoning me when the crisis comes or not being out there somewhere up in the clouds or the, some stratosphere or whatever. God is right here with us all the time. And I think it would be, do us all really good if we would spend time meditating on the, the simple stuff of the gospel. I mean, a lot of us approach the Bible and want some deep, mysterious, strange meaning from it or whatever, when the simple words of the scriptures ought to be enough. I mean, he's saying, I'm going to be with you. And that ought to be enough to give us the peace of mind we have to be able to walk day by day, week by week, month by month, and even year by year, and know that he's there. And live like we know that he is there. And that's the challenge. Do we live like we know that the Lord is with us 24-7, 365? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living. Mm -hmm.